We live in a culture that strives for greatness. As a society, we are infatuated with being the next big star. We seek after stardom in that one big moment where we can be recognized above everyone else. TV shows like American Idol, America's Got Talent, The Voice, professional sports teams, and even high school sports teams for that matter. And who can forget wanting to become the next YouTube or TikTok star, trying to get as many likes and followers as possible. There is always that competition, in good fun or not, to be the best. It's not just in TV, sports, or social media. It's in every area of our lives. It's in people's physical appearance, in the stuff we have. Always trying to be the best or better than someone else. As parents, it's easy to get caught up in raising star children. Each time a child does something, terrific or not, parents want to praise them publicly, gushing about their accomplishments and how great they are. We certainly have lots of pride in ourselves and our children. So if you look up the word pride in the dictionary, you'll find multiple definitions. The Merriam-Webster dictionary gives this as a positive one, which is a feeling that you respect yourself and deserve to be respected by others. This seems like a healthy aspect of pride. But then there's this definition, a feeling that you want more or a feeling that you are more important or better than other people, an inordinate self-esteem. This, quite frankly, is a common, not so healthy conceit, reflected in statements like, he had too much pride to ask for help, or her pride prevented her from admitting she was wrong. Today's gospel reading speaks directly to this. Jesus and his disciples are traveling through Galilee on the way to Capernaum, and they were having conversations as we would have with each other on a road trip. No harm in discussing and having conversations to pass the time. But when they arrive at their destination and are settled down in the house that they are staying at, Jesus asked them what they were talking about. You can probably picture them turning their eyes away from Jesus to the floor, perhaps slouch a bit in their chairs in embarrassment and bite their tongues in silence. And why? because they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. Pride, arrogance, overconfidence, seeking to be better or the greatest of all pushes us away from people. Instead of relating to others as equals, this attitude displays an obnoxious superiority that makes others feel small. It makes others feel shame and unworthy. Pride leads us to look at other people's flaws and faults and criticize them in order to make us feel superior and better about ourselves. It is a defense against recognizing our own shortcomings and vulnerabilities. It prevents us from saying, I'm sorry, I was wrong, I made a mistake, I hurt you. When pride rules our hearts, we believe that we're always right and this makes it difficult to sustain intimate relationships. After all, nobody likes being with a know-it-all. This wasn't the only time the disciples of Jesus got caught up in the sin and pride and arrogance. Luke records that right after Jesus institutes his supper, that the disciples begin to argue and dispute amongst each other as to who is the greatest. Regardless of the cultural differences that we may have with the disciples, striving to be greater than others causes someone to gain at the expense of another. 
it takes away their honor and self-worth and leaves shame and guilt. A 2012 Harvard study shows just how prominent this desire is within people. The study comprised of five brain imaging experiments found that the urge to share information about one's life is more powerful than previously thought. Researchers found that sharing information about themselves triggered the same sensations in the brain synonymous with eating food and intimate pleasure in their subjects. Participants had been offered a financial incentive to respond to questions about other people, but many passed on the money preferring to answer questions about themselves. St. James in the epistle reading says this, but if you have bitter jealousy and self-ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and self-ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Now that the title of Jesus applies himself, now, that, now the title that Jesus applies to himself at the beginning of today's gospel is the Son of Man. Recalling Daniel's prophecy, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. In other words, the Son of Man is an everlasting king. In Mark's Gospel, we read that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, that he is the Lord of the Sabbath, and that he will come again in glory on the clouds. And yet, this Son of Man will suffer and die before he rises. He will be betrayed and given into the hands of sinners. He does this because, as he says, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That title speaks to the kind of king Jesus is. The Son of Man, whose dominion is everlasting, comes as a servant to offer his life as a ransom for many. His kingdom values service, with the king himself being the servant of all. For Jesus, the Son of Man, this means betrayal into the hands of men who put him to death, reigning as a crucified king. And this he did for you. Your eternal King Jesus took your place as a slave to sin and paid the full price for you. He humbled himself and died in your place for your eternal salvation. There is no greater act of love and selflessness than that. As Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. This is what Jesus has done for you. He came to serve, not to be served. And he did it all for you. And when Jesus asks his disciples what they were talking about, they remain silent. Their silence speaks of their shame and guilt. Knowing their hearts, Jesus lovingly takes one of the children brought to him for healing and says, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Now in the near east of Jesus' day, infant mortality rates were very high. 
sometimes reaching up to 30% and even up to 60% before the age of 16. Children were, all, children were often the first to suffer from famine, war, disease, and sickness. They had little status in their communities and were basically seen on par as a slave. And so, to show his disciples the true way of greatness, Jesus takes one of these little children, whose mother had probably brought them to be touched and healed by Jesus, and holds the child up into his loving arms. He treats the child with dignity and respect, saying of them a few verses later, For to such belongs the kingdom of God, telling the disciples who had argued about greatness. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. A chapter later, Jesus will say to his disciples, You know that those are, who are considered the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The servant of all, the Lord of all creation, humbled himself by dying on a cross for the sins of the whole world. Then three days later he was exalted as he rose from the grave, proclaiming his victory over sin and death for you. You now live in this freedom that he brought for you with his life. The freedom to be the freedom to be the child of the child God created you to be. That freedom loves others above yourself. It allows you to see others through the love of Jesus Christ and treat them with dignity and respect and humility. Through the love of Christ, you are equipped to serve and love others. Then when Christ returns, he will exalt you to your place in heaven to live in his glory forever and ever. Pride, greatness, seeking to exalt yourself over others is what we see in our world. But Jesus has called us out of that world through the humility of his cross. And you have been joined to that humility at your baptism. Joined to Jesus to serve him by humbly serving others. Amen.